weekend saw Inter-Miami fall out of the playoff picture, but only two points separate the team from jumping above the red line, again with six games to go in the season. Hello everyone, welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, and you know what, before I even do the introduction, we're just going to welcome back, not only you guys, but a much anticipated member of the team here at Miami Total Football Radio, a much anticipated voice that we have not heard in a long, long time. And that, of course, is of Steve and Primo Brenner. Steve, welcome back, my friend. It's been a long, long time. It's been like Un Verano Sin Ti, as Bad Bunny's album, which you so famously did not know who he was up until this year. Uh, A summer without you, brother. How are you? Welcome back to the pod. How are you doing? And where the heck Thank have you, you been? What, where the heck have you been? What an intro. What an intro, man. I need, I need to live up to it now. Wow, that was just special. It was pulling, pulling at the heartstrings. So emotional. <laughs> uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. I've been keeping abreast of everything. But um, a bit away, was in England for a while. Was doing some other journalism stuff that's not involving sport, news, running around after news stories, which is fun. Um, and then, yeah, just... Uh, just been busy with life man but i'm back and i'm so pleased to be back and it's a it's a key bit of the season now we're really going in i was looking at the schedule before and um yeah it's all up for grabs see that no no you've undersold completely what you've been doing come on tell the people where you were the last time you called me you were at an airport in washington dc and you were on your way to do what yeah, a new a news gig for uh, for Mail Online. Basically, some guy had, had died, this Russian guy, and uh, I had to go and just sort of stake out the the area, see if I could we could get anything more on the stories, check out a few addresses of of where this guy supposedly lived, or just chasing the story really. And did you um, did but, you find anything juicy, anything tangible, not anything? Not really, mate. No, not really. But it makes you realise just like what you know, sports writing is like feature writing really compared to, you know, journalism like that, where you've got to go and sort of really, you know, run around town and just try and find, get, get a bit, you've already got bits of info and then you're just trying to sort of build on those and just see if it can lead you to anywhere or, or not, as, as that was that case. So, um, yeah, nothing <laughs> nothing came of it. But I had, a, I had a couple of days out in D.C. driving a Tesla around, which was pretty cool. A Tesla? Um, look at you. Yeah, look yeah at I'm all you. a legend, man. I'm one of Elon Musk's <laughs> army now. Me and Elon, we're going to do it See, we've, we've missed that sense of humor oh. on this pod. We've missed that British wit. It's been it's been needed on the pod. But welcome back, Steve. We're happy to have you. Although you've already informed me that you're going to be stepping out of action again for another week or two in, in the short near term. Is that true? Is that accurate? Can you confirm yeah, those reports? It's true. <laughs> I am, um, it is true. I'm going to Vegas to watch Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin, their third fight, the trilogy. Uh, in Las Vegas, so I'm, I'm working covering that, so that will be fun. So I'm going to miss the game on Tuesday night, um, but I will be speaking with Phil and the team today or the Thursday, yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll get back into it that way. And I went up to see Phil Neville a couple of weeks ago as well. So um, yeah, yeah, just at the press conference. So I've been uh, I've been keeping my my eye to, ears to the ground just about and listening to the pod, of course. Well, that's perfect because now. We have plenty to talk about after. Even though Inter Miami did not play on the weekend, we now know where they stand in the Eastern Conference table ahead of this weekend's game against the Chicago Fire. So we will talk about the upcoming match, which I may or may not attend. It's still up in the air, still sorting out some last minute or last second details. But we'll talk about that game. We will recap 
the re- most recent game against the Columbus Crew, a 1-0 loss for Inter-Miami. We'll also talk about a couple other things regarding the team, including their open practice on Tuesday, the starting goalkeeper position, and, well, a few other things that we'll get to later on in the show. And yes, and if you want to talk about my football manager career, <laughs> you're more than welcome. Well, go Leading for it, brother. Go for it. Right now. No, I can't talk to anyone else about it, so if anyone's interested, just let me know. So wait, what's the update? Have you won a trophy yet with Borussia Dortmund? Or I got the... no, I left. I've left Borussia Dortmund. <laughs> I left. No, I left. It was it was getting too much. We 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 started having our best season, and then I just felt like I needed a new challenge. I felt that they were destined to win the Bundesliga. I think I'd beaten Bayern Munich twice. I had a brilliant squad, um, but I thought time was right to move on. So I'm, I'm at Tranmere now, uh, in uh, League League One, which is like the third division in the UK. So I got promotion last season, and now I'm just just outside the playoffs with about three or four games, about six games to go. So it's going to be very, very close. But um, no, I needed a restart, mate, and that was this was a good move for me. What a bounty hunter you are, my friend. Because last time we had you on the pod and we talked about football manager, you were I asked you literally, I literally asked you, you know, if you don't win something in the next season or two with Borussia Dortmund in your save file, would you res- resign and go so- or resign? Wait, resign. Would you quit? And would you go somewhere else? And you're like, no, 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 we're close. And I would stick with it. And look at that. Now you've you've thrown in the towel. You've given up on that push for a title. I was close. I was close. But I needed just needed a new challenge. And this was it. I, I left on a high, mate. I left on a high. <laughs> I left on a high for sure. There would have been no hard feelings. Just like Thomas Tuchel when he was sacked at Chelsea today. <laughs> no hard feelings. No hard feelings. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's no hard feelings there. Okay, well, let's leave it there because we have a lot of Inter-Miami stuff to talk about. So, yes, this is the number one most and most listened to podcast regarding Inter-Miami. We, yes, we provide you all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more. So there you go. Done the intro, but at a later part in the segment, after the pleasantries with El Primo, which, of course, are well-deserved. So, Steve, you're back in the mix. A lot to talk about. Let's get to it. Okay, so normally we start by recapping and analyzing the most recent game. But since that was a week ago, we'll save that for the second segment. We're going to start with an updated look at the playoff picture this week, and we're going to start with the preview of Saturday's game against the Chicago Fire. I just feel like it's a little bit more timely, given that this pod will drop early Thursday morning for most of you. So let's start with the playoff picture and what it looks like right now and where Inter Miami stands in all of it. So to summarize, Inter Miami lost last Wednesday away to the Columbus Crew 1-0. Inter Miami did not play over the weekend. So they sat idly by watching from home as almost all the other teams in the Eastern Conference played. And after the results, after all the games were played, well, Inter Miami dropped to ninth place. They had fallen to 7th after the loss of the Columbus Crew. And then after the weekend, they fell to ninth. So they're in ninth place right now heading into this upcoming weekend and the game against the Chicago Fire. They sit on 36 points from 28 matches. FC Cincinnati sits above them in 8th with 38 points from 28 matches. The New England Revolution have 38 points, but from 29 matches, so they've played one more. And we'll go up to 6th place and say the Columbus Crew have 40 points from 28 matches. So, Inter-Miami is still very much 
in the fight. Obviously, there's work to be done there. Can't drop a whole lot of points the rest of the way if they want to make it to the playoffs. Steve, what do you think about the outlook, the playoff outlook for Inter-Miami? Obviously, they have to win some games. Obviously, a couple of other results have to go their way. But given the state of the team, what we've seen from the team over the recent few weeks, maybe a month, you could say up to two, what's your outlook on Inter-Miami's playoff chances? Well, look, man, I mean, look, if you just look at the, the remaining fixtures, you've got Chicago and D.C. up next, right? You know, the, the two worst teams in the Eastern Conference. And then they end up with two at home games as well. I just think that the running is just is good for them. And I think if you would have, it's a cliche, but you just ask Phil Neville at the start of the season if he would have taken this position right now, I think they would have done. They've just got to get the wins on the board, man. But it's not, um, you know, as we know, it's not, it's, it's, Nothing is nothing's guaranteed, is it? But I, th- I think they've shown enough in those last few weeks, even in the couple of defeats, that they've they've got enough in in the tank to at least accomplish the, the minimal thing, which is getting to the playoffs. And they're in a they're in a good position to do so without without doubt. So, are you confident? Are you optimistic about Inter Miami's chances to make the playoffs? Because yes, they, you know, let's look at let's look at the remaining six games. Saturday away to the Chicago Fire. Then they play on Tuesday. Quick turnaround. Not Wednesday. Normally you would play on a Wednesday, but it's a quicker turnaround at home against the Columbus crew. Then they go and travel to the nation's capital to take on DC United on Sunday, September 18th. So next Sunday. Wayne Rooney versus Phil Neville. There you go. And then on September 30th, they play away to Toronto FC. They finish the season with back-to-back home games against Orlando City on October 5th, and then against CF Montreal on October 9th. So, we know Inter-Miami has not been great away from home this season. They have still three road games in those six. How are you feeling about their chances? How are you, Primo, feeling about their chances? Don't give me the the, the okey-doke and the runaround and say, all right, yeah, well, no. Obviously, they have to win games, but... How do you feel about their chance? Do you think that they have what it takes to make it? 100%, mate, 100%. I think, you know, it depends. Obviously, Campania is, is, is still out, isn't he? So that, that he's not going to be back, definitely not in the next, no time soon, is he, really, I don't think. So that's 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 a blow. But they they could have him back for towards towards the end. We don't know yet. But um, no, man, I, you've, got to, you've got to be positive. Uh, what about you? So let's see. I think that they're going to make a real push. Look, I've said in recent weeks... And I've gotten into it with Jose and Andrea that I think Inter Miami looks like a playoff team just with the way they've been playing by and large during this recent one to two month stretch. They look much better. Obviously, this last game against the Columbus Crew notwithstanding, they didn't have Pozuelo. That's obviously a huge miss. We'll talk about that more when we when we start analyzing these uh, the two games a little bit more in more detail. But with him on the excuse me with him on the field and with Iguain playing how how he's playing. I, th- I think they have a good chance because now they have DP players that are producing like DPs, which is what they needed. And now they- I think they have a chance, absolutely. I still won't rule them out and say no way. But I said since the beginning of the season that I don't think this is a playoff team. And I, th- I think the hole that they put for themselves or the hole that they made for themselves early on, I think it's going to be just too big. Just too big. Just given their away form... Given how they've been playing, 
yes, it's been good, but on the road, they tend to struggle a bit more. They still don't necessarily find ways to win. You know, I get that game against the New York Red Bulls, going back a couple games now, they they actually looked really good, and they played really well for 20, 30 minutes. Some of the best soccer they've played, some of the best football they've played this season. But then Pozuelo gets red carded, and it was, you know, you could say it's unfortunate, or you could say it's a bit careless, or you could say it's a bad call from the ref, whatever, whatever, however you want to look at it, but it still, to me, shows a sign of a team that, on the road, still can't quite get it all all right. Even when they're playing well, something still happens, some, something still, uh, something wrong still happens to the team. So, based on that, look, I think they can beat Chicago this weekend. I think they can and should beat DC United on the road. Those are two six points. I mean, those are two big road games. Six points right there away from home. It's going to come down to can they beat Toronto in Toronto? Can they beat Columbus in, in Miami? Can they beat Orlando City? And then can they beat Montreal? Three of those games at home, or all three of those games at home, are against opponents higher up the table. And then you also have away games in the away form that Inter Miami has struggled with. So, but then you've got away games in Chicago, DC, you know, and Toronto, which all those three teams are below them right now. So, right, but Inter Miami's form away from home hasn't been great. Yes. And look, again, I, I still think look against Chicago and DC, I think you need three points there at both. That's, oh, I, that's just time. me. That's just me. Toronto, okay. I mean, obviously, it, we'll see what the circumstances are. You know, three, four games from now, but. A draw in Toronto with the team that they have, I don't think that that's that's the worst result in the world. But look, I'll simplify it and say this: I think Inter Miami Toronto FC. If if the season was a little bit longer, let's say if there were another six games added to these six games, I think both of those teams could make the playoffs because I think they have enough talent to do so. I just think that they both put themselves in such a big hole that it's going to be a real, real tough ask for them to make the playoffs given the games that are, are left on the schedule. They, they'll, they'll put up a fight, I'm sure, but I, you know, unfortunately I don't see, for the listeners, I don't see Inter Miami making the playoffs. I think they'll just miss out. But hey, I could be wrong. Maybe they win five out of these six, they tie one or they just drop one and you know other teams drop their games. Because look, Inter Miami's destiny is not totally in their control anymore right their destiny is not in their hands fc cincinnati is above them in the in the table and they've played the same amount of games as inter miami so yeah but if they, they win if they win four of maybe four of those six then they should be okay shouldn't they you would have thought you don't we don't know for sure but... right but it depends on the other team's results it's not it's not like you know before i had no, said the course, destiny but... was in their hands if they had won more games than the rest of the opponents then they make the playoffs. But now, because they're in ninth, they're not in complete control of their destiny. New England's played one more game, so if Inter Miami wins their next game, they go to 39. That would put them above New England, but that does not put them over Cincinnati if Cincinnati wins their next game. So that still leaves Inter Miami on the outside looking in. So Inter Miami needs some help. They need outside help. They need other results to go their way. Can all those chips fall for them? I think it's possible. I just don't think it's likely, given all the things we just discussed. So we will see. For you, Primo, what are the keys to this final stretch? What does Inter Miami have to do? We've talked about the games. I mean, maybe we've already touched on it a little bit or, or grazed the subject. But what does Inter Miami have to do? And don't say just win, because that's that's clear. But what does Inter Miami have to do 
especially during this final stretch run, to make the playoffs. Keep fit, I think, as well, is, an, is, an, is another one, isn't it? They've all got, a, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a been a grueling sort of season. It's coming to the end now. Um, it's just, you know, those last those last few games, they've just got to they've got to string string some wins together, haven't they? That's the that's the that's the big be on end all really. Um, and I guess you know Iguain, there's that whole thing now where you know that's his, it could be his last season, or we don't know yet, and everything like that. So there's all these little subplots that are just around it, but it needs a big performance from from Pozuelo as well, and him, and Iguain. So they need to step up. What about all right? So, because we've talked about, I mean, they need results at home in a way. It's not not, not like they're just going to be either they win their three away or they win the three at home and they're they're in. They're going to need results in both. It's it's tough, man. It's really tough to really try to be close. An, analyze. Close. Yeah, it's you know we didn't even talk about Toronto. Toronto's in tenth place. They have thirty four points from thirty games. They only have four matches left. Uh, the task is probably going to prove too large for them. They would need a lot of outside help in addition to winning out or being close to winning out. So Toronto's probably not going to make it. Inter-Miami has more of a chance. Campana back for DC, do you think? Campana back Well, that's what Phil Neville said after the open practice on Tuesday at DriveThink Stadium, that he thinks, you know, they're targeting Leonardo Campana for the game against uh, against DC United. It's possible. We'll see. We'll see. Because if he's not fully healthy... I mean, do you, are you going to really push him? Exactly. You know, World Cup, World Cup dream as well in the balance. Exactly. So you know, we'll see how it goes for him. I, I think that even that could be a little bit too opportunistic. I mean, optimistic. Sorry, that's just me from the outside. Given that he just resumed some level of training with the team, you know, I mean, maybe he could come off the bench, but it just depends on on how sure. he's recovering and all that. So for me, look, the, for me, the key is. Inter Miami needs to play as well as it's been playing for much of this recent stretch and avoid finding ways to hurt themselves. And listen, they've been a more attack-minded team. They've created more chances. They've looked more dangerous. That has helped them to win games. And Phil Neville will definitely stick with that the rest of the way. I'm confident of that. There's going to be mistakes at the back. There's going to be goals given up. That's not what I'm talking about in terms of making mistakes that, that shoot them in the foot. Red cards like Pozuelos, uh, errant back passes, like just silly mistakes or mistakes that are that, that are avoidable. That are avoidable. Listen, you're going. You could have a breakdown defensively. That you know you could correct that if when you watch it back on game film. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you know an errant back pass that leads to a dangerous chance. Uh, a silly turnover like we've seen at times from Inter Miami this season. You know, Gene Mota getting stripped deep uh, in Inter Miami's defensive half against in that game against Charlotte, where Charlotte FC scored less than 30 seconds in. Giving yourselves the best chance to win by playing attacking soccer and avoiding those mistakes by being as mentally tuned in as possible. That for me is the key because I think they can beat some of these teams. The 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 road games, yes, you know, the road form isn't great. But I think they can beat some of those teams with the way they've been playing as of late. And then at home, you know, Inter Miami's been strong this year at home. If they can continue that form and they can defend their home turf, they give themselves the best chance. I think that's what it is. Keep attacking and make sure you're mentally tuned in to avoid those mistakes at the back. Because if you start making mistakes and you put yourself, uh, you know, you put your back into a corner... The pressure is going to mount. You're going to start to feel it, especially at this time of the season. You know there's going to be result watching from 
some members of the coaching staff or, or on, uh, you know, on Inter Miami in general. So try not to make those mistakes and keep attacking. That, that for me, is the key. We'll see if that's enough for, for the team. Primo, anything you want to add there before we change subjects? No, it's it's gonna it's gonna be very very tight, and you know that's what MLS like, isn't it? That's what Don Garber likes is to have this parity in the league that that runs right right throughout the whole season, pretty much. When there's only two or three teams that are probably be discarded at the bottom, so um, you know that's this is the, the we're living we're living the MLS dream right now. We're right in the middle of it. <laughs> well, I don't know if. Uh... Inter Miami fans are living the MLS stream, especially since Orlando City is playing in a mere minute. We'll kick off the U.S. Open Cup final against Sacramento Republic. By the time we finish recording this pod, we won't know the final result. But obviously, Inter Miami fans surely are hoping for a Sacramento Republic upset in Central Florida. So let's go with very quickly just to make sure I have you your ballot locked in. Does Inter Miami make the playoffs, Steve Brenner, yes or no? I've already said no. What does El Primo say on Miami Total Football Radio? Si. Si, hombre. <laughs> si. Okay. Absolutamente. Okay. You did say you did say before the season that you thought they would make the playoffs, so you're sticking with your yeah. guns. I said from the beginning of the season I didn't think they would make it. I think I, I if I'm not mistaken, I predicted them to finish 10th. So right now they're 9th, not too far off. We'll see. We'll see how how the picture and how everything unfolds over these next few weeks. Very, very big few weeks for how this season will be looked at. Because if they make the playoffs, it's a success. Regardless of if they get blown out in the first game of the playoffs or they make a, you know, a deeper run, it'll be looked at as a success that they made the playoffs with that much turnover. If they don't make the playoffs, there will be signs of encouragement for how the season ended, by and large. Again, we don't know how these next six games are going to go. But... Not making the playoffs for a second straight season, obviously, no, will we'll raise questions. No, it's we'll not raise good questions. enough, is it? Right. Especially yeah. for a team as ambitious as Inter Miami is. Okay, let's switch gears to this weekend. Inter Miami visits the Chicago, the Chicago Fire. Excuse me, I'm coming, I'm overcoming a little cold here, so if I'm mispronouncing, see, doing it right now. If I'm mispronouncing some things and I sound a little bit under the weather, well, that's because I am. A little bit. So anyway, Inter Miami takes on the Chicago Fire on Saturday. That game is at 8 p.m. Eastern time here in South Florida. And that game is being played not at Soldier Field, but at Toyota Park. So it'll be played at the soccer-specific venue all the way out in Bridgeview, Illinois. I know some of the supporters groups are having some fans in attendance. So there should be some Inter Miami representation in the stands. Now, there's a few good subplots into this one. We talked about, obviously, the playoff picture. Chicago Fire are still fighting for their playoff lives, although, you know, they have 32, 32 points from 29 games. They're six points off the playoffs with five left to play. Probably not going to happen for them, but they're still in it, so they still have something to play for. They'll still play most likely their starting lineup, and they're at home. Their record this season is eight wins, eight draws. 13 losses, they have scored 28 goals and given up 38. So they don't score a whole lot. They stay, They do lose a good bit as well. So this is a winnable game, right, Primo? This is a winnable game for Inter Miami, yes or no? 100%, yeah, absolutely. They, they, yeah, they've got to go there and just, you know, put Chicago under pressure. But they haven't been a team that, that sort of, you know, pick up the tempo straight from straight from the off. But um, as you said, it's not, 
you know, nothing's ever guaranteed, is it, with this with this team? You just never really know. Um, so, but yeah, on paper, without a doubt, when you look at the what's been happening in the both both camps in this, this you know this season, um, they should they should go there. It should go there and get a win. Inter Miami is going to attack. I'm fully convinced of that. I don't think it'll be like uh, like the game against the Columbus Crew where they were a little bit more pragmatic and a little bit more direct. Listen. Alejandro Pozuelo is back in the mix for Inter-Miami after serving his one-game suspension for that red card he received against the Red Bulls. That's a massive, massive boost for the team because now they have their playmaker, the the you know the player that can pull the strings, that can score goals himself, that's a threat, and that understands and has very good chemistry with Gonzalo Higuain. So I think having him will absolutely help, and obviously Phil Neville will look to attack with him on the field. And they'll look to try to outscore and outgun the Chicago Fire as opposed to maybe, you know, trying to outscore them from a more defensive mindset. So expect Inter Miami to attack. I fully do. Now it just depends on, you know, can the defense do its job? Can it hold up? Can it do enough? I think that they can. I think that they will. So I'm taking Inter Miami to come out on top in this one. Primo, what's the key to the game for you? What does Inter Miami have to do? And don't tell me they need to outscore their team. I will give you my key to the game as well. But I, I just want to hear your key to the game in general. What does Inter Miami need to do on the field, besides score more goals, to come out on top in this one? I think that's it. If getting ahead early, imposing themselves, you know, having high, that high-tempo game straight straight from the off, I think, to put the pressure on early on. I think if they can start well and get ahead, Manage to sneak a goal or two, then I think that will put them in control. I think the longer it goes nil nil, then the, you know the more dangerous it could be for for Chicago to break her away and, and, and do something. So um, they've got to start well, man. They've got to start well. I, I like that key to the game because that was very important for them against the Red Bulls. They got off to a pretty good start in terms of the run of play. They didn't score from the run of play, but they got a goal from a free kick in the 19th minute. So, you know, that had them flowing. That had them full of confidence. They looked really, really good up until that red card, which then sunk them and doomed them to a defeat. So, I like that. I will agree with that. You know, be the team that dictates the tempo. Win that midfield battle. Put the Chicago Fire on on the on their heels. And obviously score at least a goal, if not two. And that way... The other team, the Fire, will be the ones playing from behind. They'll have to force the issue. They'll leave spaces in behind. That would be perfect for the likes of, you know, uh, Ariel Lassiter or maybe even Corentin Jean, Coco, if, if he gets the start, which is a possibility maybe. So absolutely agree with that as well as win, win the midfield and, and dictate the tempo. Make sure you're the team, even though you're playing away from home, that is setting the tone. There is another subplot in this game. There is another one that we haven't talked about and that I think has been overlooked by and large by, I don't know if I want to say local media, but by national media in general. And that's that this is the first time Inter-Miami will play the Chicago Fire since the season opener, way back in March, if I'm not mistaken. And that after that game, let's not forget, that Chicago Fire player Fabian Herbers went on an absolute rant and blasted Gonzalo Higuain on a podcast. And we talked about this oof, many months ago when it happened. He went on a tirade about how Higuain with his, had poor body language, 
and how how he would hate to play with him. And he, he had a lot of choice words for Higuain and essentially called him out. Now, I don't know if Higuain heard those comments. I really wish Higuain was speaking this week to local media because then we might be able to pick his brain and see if he's heard it, what he feels about it. I'd be curious to hear what he thinks. What do you think? Do you think Gonzalo Higuain goes into this game knowing what Fabian Herbert said about him? Or do you think he is completely oblivious and doesn't know anything about it? Or do you think he cares? Do you think he cares? I think he cares. I think I think he knows, and I think he cares. And that's not and that's not yeah. any inside information, but I think he knows and I think he cares. Listen, let's not forget when when Gonzalo Higuain started with Inter Miami, playing against the Philadelphia Union, he missed a penalty kick in his very first MLS game, and the Philadelphia Union, a few of the players you know, they celebrated pretty rambunctiously around him or kind they of almost go- in his goaded face. Him. They goaded him. And guess what happened next season, the following season, 2021, in the second game of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Gonzalo Higuain scores off of uh, he scores a header off of a free kick from his brother Federico Higuain, if my memory serves me correct. And what does he do? He does the shh, silent uh, goal-scoring celebration as he's obviously euphorically celebrating. I believe it was the tying goal for Inter Miami, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, he cares. Absolutely he cares. I think he cares 100%. And I think that whatever comments were made, I think it, it made its way to him. This is not inside information. This is just my supposition from the outside. I think in some way, shape, or form, he found out about those comments. Because, I mean, they made headlines in MLS circles. Now, I don't know if Gonzalo Higuain is on... ESPN.com or or anything like that to see you know the minute by minute updates in MLS, but it's it's regarding him. I'm sure somebody somewhere sent him a message or somebody somewhere in the locker room was like, "Hey man, you know, did you see that?" Like I I I'm of the belief that he knows, and I'm of the belief that we could see him address it in some way, shape, or form, whether he scores or let's see, let's see how he enters this game. Let's see what. What his body language says. Now listen, to, to Gonzalo Wayne's credit, and I think it has to be acknowledged, even by the most critical observers out there, whether it's media, whether it's fans, Gonzalo Wayne's body language now, from where it was at the start of the season, is night and day different. Night and day different. He's no he's nowhere near as as negative as he has been. He seems much more positive. So I expect that to still be the case here, but Let's see if he has a little extra pep in his step or if there's any 50-50 battles with Fabian Herbers in this one. So you he'll, say he'll you also s- probably say who 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 the hell is Fabian Herbers anyway? So <laughs> Well, that's true. Right? I mean, that's and that's I fair mean, if you're goes. Gonzalo Higuain, but but exactly. still, but still if 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 an MLS player is going to go on that like it's not common that we see one MLS player you know publicly lambast another player like we did with Fabian Herbers and Gonzalo Higuain. You don't normally see that, which is why it stands out, which is why it sticks out. And I think, again, it's been a bit of an undercovered subplot going into this game so far. But, I mean, listen, that's a fair point, what you just said. You know, Gonzalo Higuain's career, obviously, is is much more accomplished. It's not even in the same stratosphere as Fabian Herbers. But I... He's still gonna. I think he's still gonna ruffle his feathers a little bit. No, no, a little no. Bit, but not, not too much. Not too much. So, no, you won't see any. You don't think we'll see a celebration from him, like a special? Uh... Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, without a doubt. It doesn't, <laughs> mean, it doesn't mean anything to him, but it just you know, 
Um, the fact that I don't think he's going to be, he would have kept him up at night saying, you know, someone like that saying something about him. He's probably pleased, pleased that he upsets and pissed someone off, you know? Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Fabian Herbers did start in the most recent game for the Chicago Fire. So, you know, there's a good chance. There's a good chance he could start again on Saturday. Steve, prediction time. We've both said that we think Inter Miami can win. Will they win? Will you be as optimistic as you were, or do you think a draw or a loss is in the cards for the team? No, I don't, uh, I'm going to be positive. This is it. This is the run-in. I'm going to be a positive 2-1 two, two, into Miami. Goals from? Do you, want to, do you want to throw some goal scorers out there? You know, it's your first time uh, back. Let's get some goal scorers from you. I think yeah, I think Higuain double. He's going to be so inspired by the feud. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to go. That's going to be it, man. He's going to rip his shirt off and just sort of have some sort of nasty message for him. Who are you or something like that? No, well, this is who I am. Well, yeah. There it is. There it is. Well, listen, even if Fabian Herbers doesn't play, you know, I, I still think Gonzalo Higuain Fabian will go. In, if, even if Fabian Herbers doesn't doesn't play, I still think Gonzalo Higuain goes into this one with a little bit more uh, incentive, a little bit more motivation. Not a whole lot, and obviously it's very difficult to measure that, but I think a little bit more, a little bit more. If there, if there wasn't already enough motivation to try to make the playoffs and help Inter Miami win and bounce back from a loss and play with Pozuelo again, th- there it is. There's the there's the cherry on top. I think he'll he'll definitely go into this one with a little bit more uh, added zest. But anyway, let's let's leave it there. I will say my prediction is that Inter Miami wins two to zero. Two oh, to zero. Go. No no goals against this time. They'll they'll get a clean sheet. And they'll start this six-game stretch with a very positive result away from home that will fill themselves full of confidence and the fan base full of optimism. So, primo, let's leave it there for now. We will take a quick break. We'll come back and recap the most recent match, which was against the Columbus crew. And then we'll also do the Q&A session and our final thoughts. And we'll do all that after this. Okay, so time to recap and analyze the most recent game, which was a 1-0 loss for Inter Miami away to the Columbus Crew at Lower.com Field in Columbus, Ohio. This was the starting lineup that Inter Miami started with, and it was more of a 5-3-2, although they switched out of it midway through that first half. But anyway, this was the, the starting lineup. Nick Marsman replaced Drake Callender in goal. Drake Callender was demoted to the bench. The back five from right to left were DeAndre Yedlin, Damian Lowe, Ryan Saylor, Christopher McVeigh, and Robert Taylor. The midfield consisted of Gene Mota, Gregory, and Bryce Duke. And then you had Gonzalo Higuain and Ariel Lasseter up top. Now, that formation changed. They went out of the 5-3-2 and into more of a 4-4-2. Taylor was no longer the left wing back or no, no longer playing on that side of the field. He ended up moving as more of a, of a right winger. And Inter Miami tried to, to block up the holes. It was a very cagey affair. I, I didn't think Inter Miami looked 
particularly well. They finished with, if I'm not mistaken, one shot on target, four shots overall. Uh, Columbus Crew finished with three shots on target. Neither neither team looked great. Neither team looked great in this one. Both trying to gate one another. Inter Miami did a pretty decent job at it overall, although Columbus did have 14 shots in the game, although not many were clear-cut opportunities. But the game winner comes in the 64th minute. The crew find a way to capitalize on a mistake. Nice through ball in behind, and Luis Diaz races onto it. Takes advantage of some poor defending from Damian Lowe, I think, and then finishes to the near post past Nick Marsman. That's all it took for Inter, uh, excuse me, for Inter Miami to lose in this one for the Columbus Crew to win. It was a big six pointer. If Inter Miami had had tied or even won this game, they would be sitting much prettier in the standings. Alas, it was not to be. So, all right, Inter Miami loses. What were your thoughts after this game? A missed opportunity for the South Florida side. Phil Neville, after the game, clearly was a bit disappointed and, and frustrated, but obviously uh, knowing that there was still games to be had. So your thoughts on this game, Primo? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they, they obviously missed Pozuelo, didn't they? I mean, but it was a it was a key game, wasn't it, really, when you look at the, the table now with them, them in Columbus in, in sixth, you know, Miami in, in ninth. So, um, yeah, it was it was just... Yeah, no, it was dis- it was it was dis- it was disappointing for sure. Now, what did you think about? Let's let's just quickly touch on some some of the points in this game. What do you think about the attack without Alejandro Pozuelo? Because clearly, if it wasn't obvious before this game how big of a factor he is to the attack, you know how he's the cog that that really helps everything everything click or the link that helps connect everything. Well, then, now it was painfully obvious because Inter Miami, without him, didn't have a whole lot of ideas. Gonzalo Higuain was largely a non-factor, although he had a golden opportunity late on. I won't say golden. It's not golden. It was a very good half chance. A very good half chance. And he tries to shoot it on the half turn, but he can't direct it on frame. He shoots it high and wide of the goal. So, no equalizer for Inter Miami. Had they pulled that one out, you know, again, would have been would have been uh, a big boost for them, uh, not only in terms of the standings, but I also imagine in terms of the confidence, especially not having to go into the weekend, having to deal with that bitter taste of defeat. But anyway, again, from the run of play, not a whole lot from the team. Bryce Duke, who started, didn't look particularly great. Gene Mota had a couple of nice passes. Robert Taylor, not involved enough. It, it was just a poor showing from the attack. Overall, and I obviously again, Pozuelo, I think, is a big explanation and a big reason for that. So, again, that's very good news that he'll be back in the mix for this weekend. Now, let's go to the defensive side because I think you know more of the responsibility for not winning this game is on the attack because they just couldn't generate much with the ball, they never really got into a rhythm, they never really found their footing. So I would put more of the defeat on the attacking part of the team than the defensive side because against Cucho Hernandez and Luis Diaz, Darlington Nagby, the defense, even though they gave up shots at times, they were pretty stingy for the most part. Again, Columbus only finished with, with three shots on target. So I think the defense didn't have a terrible game. But they had the one breakdown or the one mistake that Columbus could capitalize on. And that's a through ball that's played in, excuse me, down the right side, past Christopher McVeigh, who gets, you know, uh, le gana las espaldas, so they 
they they made the run in off the back shoulder and they beat him to the space and behind. He wasn't able to catch up to Luis Diaz, who was much faster. And listen, Christopher McVeigh, although he he held his own for much of the ninety minutes, he had his hands full with with Luis Diaz. Luis Diaz much quicker, much pacier, and he caused McVeigh fits. McVeigh again thought he did okay and and did okay in the individual battle, but definitely had some rough moments, and that was one of them. Now listen. Ryan Saylor was pushed up high on that sequence. So the other center back that could have helped put the fire out was Damian Lowe. And if you watch the replay, I mean, I, I saw it on the, initial, on the initial viewing, but if you watch the replay, there's a moment where Damian Lowe, you can see how the play's unfolding. He could have slid over and provided better coverage for Christopher McVeigh and Ryan Saylor. But he, I guess he gets caught in between two minds, whether he should stay central and, and try to cut off a pass or as opposed to pressing Luis Diaz. I think that's a mistake. I, I, I can understand the thought process, but in that play, in that moment, the way it's unfolding, you can't just let Luis Diaz race in unmarked towards goal and then have an open shot. Like, you just can't do that. If he passes it towards the middle, you live you live with that, with that result because, look, if he passes it to the middle... Maybe it's a high percentage shot that a teammate takes, or maybe an inner Miami player, central midfielder, DeAndre Yedlin. Maybe one of them gets back, or maybe one of them makes the cutoff. One of them puts out that fire, or maybe the pass is just poorly hit, and we're not talking about about uh, how dangerous of a play this was. He had to close down the dribbler. He had to close down Luis Diaz. I think that's the mistake. That's the biggest mistake on the sequence. If he gets in front of Luis Diaz, Luis Diaz can't take that shot. Or if he takes that shot, he has a body in front of him. It's much more difficult to put in. Now, I'm not putting the loss on Damian Lowe. Because, again, I think the attack bears more responsibility than the defense. But Damian Lowe had to do better in situations like that. And listen, I think Damian Lowe's been one of the overall better performers for the team this year. But he, te- he seems to have like at least one like lapse. Prone. prone. Yeah, they can have a lapse here or there, can't he? Yeah, he seems to have one lapse... At least one lapse per game. Sometimes it proves costly. Sometimes it doesn't. But at least one or two per game where you're like, you know, that, that it seems like he just tunes off. Whether it's, I don't know if it's concentration. I don't, I don't know what it is. But it seems like for 89 minutes he can play very, very well. But then there's that one minute at some point in the game where, where he shuts off. And you have to hope if you're Inter-Miami or Inter-Miami fans that it doesn't come back to bite you. And this one, it did. Again, I you know, I, I, we're analyzing the game. I will reiterate. I don't put this loss on Damian Lowe, but if you analyze that goal, Damian Lowe shoulders a lot of responsibility. McVeigh as well, because he got beaten behind. You could say some 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 of the blame, I guess, or some of the responsibility also goes to Nick Marsman for not covering his near post a little bit better. But I think Damian Lowe shoulders more of the responsibility on that sequence. That said, still put more of the onus uh, uh, for the loss or more of the responsibility for the loss on the attack. The lack of ability to to really string together good attacking sequences. Now, Bosuelo was out, yes, but you needed Gonzalo Higuain to do a little bit more. You needed Bryce Duke to do a little bit more. You needed Gene Mota to do a little bit you, you needed other players to step up and do more, and they just couldn't. The Columbus crew you know, were able to implement their game. It was 50-50 in terms of possession. So not bad in that aspect for Inter-Miami, but they couldn't turn that possession into productive possession. Possession with a purpose. Possession with chances at the end of it. Especially clear-cut chances. So, a couple things to touch on there. Now, one more thing that I think is worth mentioning. 
And I'm very curious to hear your thoughts, Primo, because it's something we've talked about over the course of this season. Not really lately. Obviously, you haven't been on Miami Total Football Radio in a few weeks, if not months. Um, but Nick Marsman got the nod in goal again over Drake Callender, who had started... I'd have to go and look at the stats, but he had started a lot of games in a row. A lot of games in a row. Is Nick Marsman the starting goalkeeper for Inter-Miami for this stretch run? Does this does this change of goalkeeper signify to you that Phil Neville will go with Nick Marsman the rest of the way? Well, also, you you may know better than me, but Nick Marsman, had a did he have some sort of back problem? Well, he had, a, he had, he had the knee problem, then he had the back problem, and then... Drake, that's what opened the door for Drake Callender's to to start, right? Yeah. And and he played, and he he did really really well early on, really really well. I think Drake Callender, early on in his starts, was a difference maker, and he was saving Inter Miami from losing games that they probably should have lost, or or at least gotten draws in instead of wins. Like he was making decisive saves. With more starts, came a bit more mistakes. I still think he was overall solid, but towards the end of this recent run of, of matches, you saw a little bit more blunders. And I think that, or at least more goals given up that he should have done better on and should have saved. Maybe they're not out and out blunders or like, wow, you know, like, well, wow, what a gaff. Or it's not an Alex Bono against Inter Miami type gaff. He didn't make those type of gaffes, but he definitely had plays and goals given up in sequences that he should have done better on. And again, Go back to the Red Bulls game, something we touched on on the last pod. You know, after the, I believe it's the first goal that he gives up to Lewis Morgan, he gets a hand to it, and you see him slam the ground in frustration or pound the ground in frustration three times because he knows he should have done better. And I think those mistakes, although Phil Neville has not said it publicly, those little mistakes that he should have done better on or could have done better on, combined with Nick Marsman now being healthy, Inter Miami needing to attack, I think all those things have come together to have Phil Neville make this decision of starting Nick Morrison. That's that's just my opinion. It's my opinion. And I do think, you know, to answer the question I asked you, which you did not answer in typical primo fashion, uh, that I think Nick, Nick Marsman's the starter the rest of the way. Yeah, 100%. Now, certainly seems seems like that, doesn't it? Sure. Put his faith in him. And um, yeah, because there were doubts about his, about his fitness. He had to see a specialist, I think, about his back. Um, but yeah, no, it's good good for him that he's... He's come back, and he but he was always the number one choice in, in my mind. Anyway, I I, I think. Ooh, Drake, that's interesting. That's interesting because well, I, he, I, he, had, I he, had, he had come in and and but Callender did well when he came in. But you always got the impression Nick Marsden was the number one, right? No, see, so I've debated this with Jose and Andrea very strongly. I mean, there was a point in the season when Nick Marsden was healthy. This is, this is not the first week that Nick Marsden has been healthy. Nick Marsden has been healthy for several weeks, and Drake Callender has kept the number one spot. Now, I, I agreed with the decision to keep him as the number one because I think Drake Callender is a better shot stopper than Nick Marsman. I think Nick Marsman clearly is more technical and better with his feet, has more experience. All the attributes we've talked about in the past. Actually, we had our special guest Miguel Paz on last week and, I, and we talked about it as well. We both thought that Drake Callender was the guy for the rest of the way. We didn't see Nick Marsman getting back in there, but he did against the Columbus crew. And I think that signals that he'll start the rest of the way. I just don't listen. I mean, you, you can disagree with me or tell me if you think I'm wrong. I don't see Phil Neville juggling between Marsman and Callender through the final six games. I think that would lead to you know, some, a disruption of chemistry at the back. 
I think if he made the change, he's making it once, unless he's absolutely forced to by an injury or suspension or something like that. Otherwise, I think he's sticking with Marsman the rest of the way for his experience, for his ability to hit passes out of the back and, and to add to the attack, which Inter Miami, again, we assume that they're going to continue to attack. So I'm fully of the belief that Nick Marsman is the number one. Do I agree with that at this point? I would say yes. I would say yes, because Drake Callender's form had had slipped. He was not making some of the more... I don't want to say easy saves because they're not easy saves, but some of the saves that you might expect him to make or that he was making early on. So with that, I think the switch to Marsman, I don't, I don't disagree with it. I don't hate it. It's not, you know, but I do think that this is it. This is it. You have to ride Marsman the rest of the way, assuming he's healthy and he can play. Because if you start flip-flopping back and forth, well, I think that's going to lead to, to some disruption in the chemistry, not only in goal, just in terms of the back line and the understanding, and then that can lead to some issues. So Marsman's the guy the rest of the way, I think. I know Phil Neville, after the open practice, said, you know, the best man for the job will play. And, you know, he was very diplomatic in his response, but I don't see him, you know, going back and forth between the two. Do you? What do you think? Do you see Nick Marsman as a goalkeeper the rest of the way, regardless of what happens? Or do you think there's a, there's a chance? Do you think there's a chance that Phil Neville, as the head coach, could make a decision where, okay, one game he starts Calendar, one game he starts Marsman? Do you see that at all being a possibility? And that doesn't, it very rarely happens. That, you know, normally for like a cup match or a different match, they will, um, you know, managers will change the goalkeeper. But for the most part, certainly in my wonderful managerial career, I never changed the goalkeeper. Um, <laughs> and you, just, you just don't, I guess, you want that, just to have that solid sort of, feel of having a you know a guy that you can really trust at the back you know so um yeah it's he's clearly trusting now Nick Marsman but like you say he gave calendar a good run and maybe just a few mistakes crept in and he just wanted to freshen it up for you know now that he knows that he's fully he's fully fit and's got over his his problems or whatever he was going through so um yeah i i would be I'd be surprised if he changed it again but just i guess form dictates as well if Marsden has an absolute stinker, then of course, yeah, he's going to get he's going to get back in. But that's what it is, isn't it? It's just about a breed competition for places in the squad, going for it right at the end. I know I call you Phil Noble's lawyer, but did you guys go to the same school? Did you guys like study the same like <laughs> di- diplomacy yeah. class or like? Because you just yeah, gave yeah, like no. no. <laughs> Listen, no. E- is Nick Marsman the goalkeeper the rest of the way as long as he's healthy and available? Yes or no? Don't give me so, a, yeah. even so. if he has yeah. a stinker. Even if he has a stinker, do you think he stays yeah. in goal? I think he stays in goal. I just can't listen. There's a, fair, there's, yeah. there's a saying. There's a saying. Si tiene dos arqueros, no tienes ni uno. If you have two starting goalkeepers, you don't have one starting goalkeeper because you like the, the goalkeeper position doesn't get changed often. It just doesn't happen. If it happens, it's because one goalkeeper is not playing well. Right, it's not like field players where you can find a way to fit them all in there. Right, you could do yeah. a rotation. We've seen different things in different circumstances, and yes, there are teams that have two, you know, around the world that have two very high caliber goalkeepers, and that's not what I'm referencing here when I say that that uh, that comment. It's more that if you're going back and forth between one and the other, and you don't have an established starter, then you really don't have a true number one. So. I just don't see that that back and forth happening. Look, if Marsman has two really bad games, then where he like you know he he se come un par de goles, where he he has a few blunders, then maybe 
Phil Neville will have to be forced into really thinking about it again. But assuming he just plays, you know, to his level. I'm not saying he plays spectacular. He just plays to his level. Maybe gives up a goal here or there that, that you know, you think he should have done better on. I, st- I still think he's the starter the rest of the way. I think because of his experience, because of the situation that, that, that Inter-Miami is in, I think Phil Neville will, will put a lot of trust in that. In addition to Drake Callender's form dropping. Because if Drake Callender had been playing as of late, as well as he had been playing when he started, getting the the nod for Inter-Miami back in, what was it, uh, May? Well, then I think Drake Callender is still your, your number one choice. But given that his form dropped... I, you know, I think that opened the door for Nick Marsman. And Drake Calder had made... Look, look I'm going to count it right now. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, wait. I counted an Open Cup game. Let's just count MLS games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen games in a row he had started for Inter-Miami. So, clearly he was the number one at points where Nick Marsman was healthy. But now things have changed. So fully expect Nick Marsman to get the nod the rest of the way. Let's leave it there. Let's switch to our Q&A session, Steve. Let's do it very quickly. We'll just tackle a couple. We'll just tackle a couple. Okay, so... And and you'll go first here because, well, you're back. So people want to hear your voice. People want to hear that English accent. So (laughs) let's go with Eric Yanis. Any comments on the Orlando cheating news? So... If you're unfamiliar with what that means, I will break it down for you. Orlando City was caught spying on Sacramento Republic's training session in markets in Central Florida the day before their Open Cup final, which is being played right now as we speak. What are your thoughts on that? Is I know something like similar like this happened with Bielsa when he was coaching Leeds in England. So I'm sure yeah, you have already yeah. somewhat of an opinion in general about this this, this situation. But you know, what do you think about an MLS team spying on a on a USL team the night before, the day before the US Open Cup final? Well, that, I mean, you know, and any way to get an advantage. You're right. Yeah, Bielsa when he was at Leeds sent some guy out into the bushes <laughs> to, to watch Derby to watch Derby County train, I think. So, um, and yeah, I think if you probably speak to a lot of managers and, you know, they would say they would always have some sort of spy in the camp or eyes on training somehow. But it's just when you get caught, when they get caught, it's kind of, you know, eye-opening. You're just like, wow, really? They've really gone to, to do that? Uh, especially the MLS team as well, being up against the USL. But it's the cup final, so it's, it's fair enough, I guess. So, But I, I, didn't, I didn't see everything in, in complete detail. Was there a resolution in the end to the story? So U.S. Soccer was apparently aware, and U.S. Soccer was looking into the allegations, but the game has gone on. So yes. whatever punishment could be handed down, whatever it won't affect the final. I can't imagine that they're going to be retroactively saying, all right, well, you spy, so you lose. No, it'll be some slap on the wrist or something, something simple. Uh, listen... I'm. I agree with you that look. As it's, this is professional sports, teams will will take whatever advantage they can take. It happens on the field, so it's going to happen out of the field. There's no. Let's not pretend. Let's not pretend like we live in a world where people follow all the rules and they don't try to skirt any of them. Like that's that's just not realistic. Let's leave it there. We'll go to the next question. Does Phil? It comes from Dos Nose. Does Phil need to start Corentin John? I feel like. 
we are not getting much from Lasseter, Emerson, and Vasilev down the stretch. Primo! You've seen, I mean, yeah, I mean, you've seen more of him than I have recently, Corentin Jean. How's, how's he looked? So he hasn't gotten a whole lot of minutes. You know, he's played here and there. You know, against the Red Bulls, he had a, a, a lengthier cameo, but it was with 10 men. So he hasn't had, like, a full, like, proper run out to really establish, like, what he can do. I will say, does he deserve a start? I don't know if he deserves a start because we haven't seen enough from him in games. But I think he's probably on the verge of getting a start. Or he's as close as he's been to getting a start because he's healthier now. And because the other players aren't necessarily producing at a rate that you need them to. And we didn't touch on this play in the Columbus Screw game when we did the analysis there. But there was one play late on where a ball, I can't remember if it was Gene Mota. But it's, I think it's Gene Mota. Plays a sublime ball in to Indiana Vasilev in stride. If Indiana Vasilev brings it down with a classy first touch, he's got a great look on goal to equalize. But he brings the ball down and it gets very far away from him. A pretty rough first touch, a pretty poor first touch, and the fire is put out by Columbus Crew goalkeeper Elo Room, who just gets on the ball. You know, the danger was averted just because of that very poor first touch. Now, a player with a little bit more technique, player with a little bit more composure there, maybe someone with more experience, maybe they're able to bring that ball down, maybe they're able to finish it. Obviously, it's a tough ask. You know, you need some quality you need to, to be able to do that, especially late on, quality and composure. But that, that's what those are little details that make the difference between a decent player to a good player and a good player to a great player and a great player to an amazing player. Little details such as that. So I think Corentin John could be in line to start one of these next six games, especially if the other wingers don't produce. Maybe as soon as this weekend. Maybe as soon as this weekend. I, I, I don't know if Phil Neville has you know seen enough in games to, to trust Corentin John to say, all right, we're starting him now on the wing. But I have to imagine the Frenchman is close, given the production of the other players. Lasseter has, you know, in spurts, been a bit better as of late. But you're not getting enough from the other wing. Even Robert Taylor, who's been playing as a wing back, also as a winger, just not getting enough out of him either. So Corentin John could be close to a start, in my opinion. Primo, anything you want to add there? Yeah, like... I mean, players do fade. They don't, they, you know, um, Robert Taylor, he started well, didn't he? But then has sort of dipped a bit. It just, it, it's always going to happen in the first season when players come over. And... Well, he's similar. He's similar to Lewis Morgan in me. He's similar to Lewis Morgan in that his most effective yeah. position is up top or as a winger or in the attack. And because of his versatility and because of his defensive work rate and, and things that Phil Neville tends to like in terms of his characteristics, you know, he's been sacrificed a bit in that way in that he's had to defend and play as a wing back. A bit, and that's clearly, clearly, you know, taking a toll on him. I think I'd be, clearly, it's he hasn't been consistently playing on the wing to find that rhythm and that in that form. So, you know, uh, but that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. Okay, let's leave it there. Let's give our final thoughts. Primo, you go first, then I'll go, and we'll wrap up the show after that. No, man, the fun, just the final thought. When you just look, I think at the last, what is it now, six six games. I think they would have definitely taken that. Um, I certainly would have taken it if I was manager. If my Tranmere team now, who is <laughs> beginning to implode, and I don't know if we're going to get promotion, but you know you're in a good position now. And I think, um, yeah, if they don't, if they don't do it, it's, it's a it's a failure, isn't it, from everyone? But they know that, I think. Um, but I think the fixtures, the way they've landed, 
those away games, if they're never going to, can't beat those three teams away, then they probably don't deserve to be in the playoffs anyway. So, um, yeah. So, you've just summarized essentially what you said earlier, and you did say that you think they make it. So, if they make yeah. it, do you see them as the seventh seed, sixth seed? You know, how, how high up do you think they, they'll go? I'm going to make you put your neck out here. I'm going to make you put your neck out there. I think they're going to just sneak into seventh. Okay. All right. So, I'm going to make you also whip out your calculator. How many points out of these next six games do they get? There's 18 points to be had. How many points do they get there? You know the schedule. Yeah, I, th- I mean, maybe, a, I mean, 12, I think, would be decent, wouldn't it? But I didn't ask you how what would be decent. I asked you what you think they get. <laughs> well, 12 will take them to 48. I mean, it's 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 going to be tight, isn't it? They're going to have to do something like that. And when you, you put it down, when you look at it like that, it's like, mm, you know, that's going to be quite, quite a big ask. But it's got to be done, isn't it? It's got to be done. I'm sure they they can do it. Steve, how many points do you think they get? I'm not asking you what they need. I'm asking you what, what you think they get from from those six from those six games. <laughs> no, from the six games plus the preseason games of next year. Yes, from those six games. <laughs> uh, let's say 12, 12 points. Okay, so you're gonna go with the number that you think that they need. Okay, all right, all right. Four uh, wins. Four wins. Four, I don't four know. out of six. Yeah, that's, that's actually I think that's a really good exercise. I think it's a really fun exercise. I would ask the listeners to do it too. I I would say pause this now if and and look at the calendar, and obviously you know there will be injuries and suspensions along the way. There will be the return of Campana at some point, but let's just you know for exercise sake, let's do it. And I would say they beat Chicago. I don't think they beat Columbus at home. I think they beat DC. I don't think they beat Toronto. Orlando City midweek. I see a tie there. And then against Montreal, they could win as easily as they could lose. So I would say a win just to end the season on a high. So that would give them three, six, nine. I give them ten points out of this next this next these next six games. I don't know if that'll be enough. I don't think so, but we'll see how it all shapes. So, final thought for me is that I went to my first theme park in years, man. In years, since I was living in the Northeast. So, it's I can't even remember the last time I went to a theme park. It was probably Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey, maybe in 2017, maybe 2018. I can't remember the last time I went to a theme park. But I did so during the long weekend, during Labor Day weekend. I went to Typhoon Lagoon with some very dear friends, and I had a great time splishing and splashing around. I've never been to Typhoon Lagoon before, so uh, it was definitely a fun, fun time. The wave, and by the way, this isn't this this show is not sponsored by Disney or Typhoon Lagoon, but I was in Central Florida, I was in Orlando. But anyway, yeah, the waves at the in the wave pool are ridiculous, man. When they get to the to the big waves, which is like I don't know oh, like every 10, long, 15 yeah. minutes. They're, they're massive, though. I've never seen waves that big. People are trying to jump over the wave, and it's like it, it's practically impossible. You definitely try to ride the wave if you want because that will take you a good good distance. But definitely fun, family fun, and I had a great time. In the wave so, pool. There you go, mate. In so, the wave. You're never, too old, you're never too old for a wave pool. <laughs> hey, man, I'm pretty tan right now, by the way, because I, I went to uh, 
I went to Typhoon Laguna on Saturday, and I went to the beach on Monday. So I oh, am go, properly tan right now. I look like a like a nice bloke from Newcastle. So, oh, <laughs> so no. there you go. There you go. No, jo- no one's tan jo- Newcastle. Wait, Geordie Shore? Aren't the Geordie Shore people from Newcastle? Yeah, that's fake tan, though. Okay, no, yeah. But you, you, but you get the reference. Come on. I mean, my tan's actually all natural, baby. But, um, yeah. Anyway. Orange. <laughs> no, I'm not orange. Although, uh... My friend was using some tanning oil that was orange, so we'll uh, we'll leave it at that. But anyway, all right, that does it for this week's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. For Steve and Primo Brenner, who we are so thankful is back, and you cannot go another few months without returning. Hurry back from your next trip. You will be here for the stretch run. I am Franco Penizo. You have been listening to Miami Total Football Radio.